John chapter 6, verses 43 through 49. Uh, I love the order of service. Praise the Lord for order. So if it's long, I blame it on your appreciation. (laughs) No, I really do appreciate uh, your appreciation. I've never appreciated that appreciation more than I appreciate it today. Thank you so very much. I I really do. Uh, I love this place. It's a fun place. If you're new with us today, please come back. Uh, We like you. If we screwed up anything today, I I promise that we'll do it different next week. Actually, I don't promise that at all. We are a very messy place full of very imperfect people, including uh, the senior pastor. My name is Dan Bursch, and I love that I found a place that actually accepts me for who I am, believes that I'm growing in Jesus, but also loves me in my mess. And praise the Lord, hopefully I'm loving you uh, in your mess as well. But aren't you thankful that we are actually, this is not a pipe dream, fairy tale, or fantasy, but that we are actually changing, conforming to the image of Christ, you and I. Today, do you know, I actually think we look a little bit more like Jesus than we did last week. Do you believe that? I believe that about this place. It's a good place to be. Again, if you're visiting, if you're new, come back. We would love to walk in Jesus, with Jesus, through Jesus, with you. All right. You got your Bibles open? Tablet? Whatever you got? Smartphone? Uh, Yesterday, by the way, I'm loving the weather, loving the fall colors, loving the lack of rain. Uh, Yesterday, I heard some of you were at a Ludovic? Lutefisk, Lutefisk, oh, uh, I can't say it. You were at a fish dinner where they soaked the fish in lime. So that's fun. But I had more fun than the lime fish people uh, because we did the bazaars yesterday. Anyone go to the bazaars? Anyone know what I'm talking about? This is like Bursch family tradition. Every year we go, and we only hit the ones up here. We go to the jingle one that's over in the house. You ever walk through that one? Crazy. Like we saw two people hit each other, actually. Uh, in the parking lot of that one. That was exciting. And then we went to Northwood Elementary School. But then we went to the Grange. And, and we always go to the Grange because... Uh, have you ever been downstairs, right? That's where the magic happens. They, they serve you split pea soup. And it's only... Some of you groaned, some of you rejoiced. But split pea soup. Do, do you remember, if you've been there and eaten it, you know, remember how much it costs? For a dollar fifty. Split pea soup. So I was enjoying myself with my split pea soup. Last night I went to the South Sound Symphonic Band uh, over at Bethel High School. My brother-in-law plays percussion for them. Had a blast. A wonderful day. And I'm really happy that I had that wonderful day because earlier in the week, I can honestly say uh, it was pretty busy. It it was anyone have a busy week before? Maybe this week even you're like, man, it was pretty busy. I, I think in America 2019, we all know what busy is like, but especially at the beginning of my week. And so eventually I I made it to my office Wednesday morning. I sat down and I was going to begin to walk through today's passage. And Wednesday morning for me is just a little late in the game for me to sit down with the passage. So I I sit down, Jesse Mendoza, who was on the mic earlier with the cool Caribbean accent. He's my pastoral assistant and he comes into my office, which is sometimes a dangerous thing to do because I just start freaking out. I'm freaking about what Jesus is doing and excited. I'm like, Jesus is moving like here and moving here. And I'm giving him vision, just, just casting all these dreams and, and things that the Lord is doing. And I'm like, but Jesse, like, you know, all this vision, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost money. Like, we, we need, you know, the money to be able to see these things happen. And all of a sudden, my phone rang. So I say out loud to Jesse, I go, Jesse, like, let's answer it. Maybe someone, like, wants to give us a million dollars. I said that out loud. So I answer it, and I answer it on my speakerphone on my computer so Jesse can hear this great testimony of the million dollars that's coming to, to live stream so we can do what the Lord's asking us to do. 
Is this Dan Bursch? Yeah, this is Dan Bursch. Uh, we, we noticed a suspicious transaction on your Venmo account uh, for $285. So the complete opposite of a million dollars. Jesse leaves. It's awkward. Um, he, he leaves, lets me, lets me be. I start talking to this guy, and he's like, no, no worries. You know, just got to take you through a few steps to work out this issue. And while he's taking me through these steps, uh, I have my computer screen up. While he's talking to me on the phone, I see an email from Venmo saying that we just had a transaction for $2,900 just take place while I was on the phone with this guy. See, what I didn't realize at the time is this guy is scamming me. This really kind, nice uh, gentleman was scamming me. And so there was never that initial $285 fraudulent transaction. He's talking to me on the phone. He's the fraud. And he gets my information on the phone. And again, while we're talking, ding, you've got mail, right? $2,900. Had to call the real Venmo. Uh, worked it out. Praise the Lord that uh, he, he worked it out. They got my money back, which is awesome. But then that also meant I had to wait a little bit longer, right, to get to my message. Finally sat down in today's mass, uh, passage. It was, I think, afternoon, Wednesday. Sit down, and the first thing I read is this. Chapter 6, verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Church, I ran into a bad tree. <laughs> People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So yeah, I, I ran into a very bad man, and that scam paired with this passage, it got me thinking. I can't really turn off my brain. I'm always thinking, but now I'm thinking about this. Like I'm thinking about good trees, bad trees, good men, bad women. We had another scam happen this week. You want to hear about this one? Someone tried to scam the church. This was Monday. This scam, I guess, is quite familiar these days. It just happened to the community center earlier this week. I, I was listening to a business owner talk, or a business uh, worker, uh, businessman, businesswoman talk about uh, this scam. But this is how it happened. Jeremy receives an email from Pastor Dan. Uh, Jeremy, who's my director of ministries, and, and it says, hey, Jeremy, I need you to buy $700 worth of Target gift cards. If you could buy those scratch-offs so we can see the PIN number, take a picture and send it to me. Yeah, I'm not even joking. So Jeremy, being the good director of ministries employee that he is, he's about to take off and actually do it for me. But he thought it was just a little bit weird because he was receiving this email while at the same time I was texting him about a completely different situation. So Jeremy, he's actually pretty smart. He gives me a call, says, hey, did you send me this email? I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, if you clicked on Pastor Dan, it wasn't from danthepianoman at gmail.com. It was from like one, two, nine, whatever, right? It was just total scam. Church, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Bad trees, bad men, bad women. As you know, um, and please, Lord, could we just have a week off from that? But <laughs> as obvious as those examples are, I think of good and bad, good and evil. You know, I'm just going to put it right out there at the beginning of this sermon. In my flesh, outside of who I am in Christ, just being honest, I'm not so sure how far removed I am from those scam artists. 
outside of Jesus, I have thoughts, I have ideas, I have responses to people that go through my mind, that go through my heart, that I'm not always so proud of. I can actually see easily how someone could get caught up in doing something horrific uh, like these guys were doing to me. Now, praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. By the power of God living in me with the help of the Holy Spirit, all those thoughts, all those emotions, all those temptations, the same ones you guys got going on, we can give them to Christ. Aren't you thankful for Christ? Right? You don't sing here just bringing glory to how awesome you are. You come here because Jesus is good. And you're thankful for Christ. You're thankful that instead of living my life where my flesh wants and, and, and just always feeding that flesh and always fulfilling those desires, instead I submit, I yield, I humble myself under Christ's authority where His goodness becomes what is stored up inside of me and His goodness is what ultimately comes out of me. And there is good fruit that is produced in my life. Why? All because of the goodness of Christ in me. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Right? This reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He, he says, uh, as Christians, that we take captive how many thoughts? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And, and I'm not perfect in this. I mean, I, I'm still making mistakes way more than I wish. But, but I can see also how God has allowed good fruit to be evident in my life. How? As I submit my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions all to obedience in Christ. When I see Christians get in trouble, it's often in this area. They, they just grab the reins and they forgot to humble themselves in obedience to Christ. You've probably recognized that same truth in your own life. Now, now remember in today's passage, Jesus, uh, and we've been in this passage for like months. So Jesus, he's speaking to people about the kingdom of God, right? What the kingdom of God is like. But you got to remember, Jesus speaking, is this before or after his death and resurrection? Anyone know? Say it like with confidence. Before, that's right. Before, before his death, before his resurrection. So think about it. This is before he's the risen Lord, right? Exalted at the right hand of God. Before he's the one who's sitting at the right hand of God. He is right now, um, uh, just, he's this, um, this is before he, he goes and he leaves us. And remember the resurrection. What did he do after the resurrection? He went to the Father. Why did he go to the Father? Because he had to send who? He had to send the Holy Spirit. And who does the, what does the Holy Spirit do for us? He, he helps us. He teaches us. He walks along us. He, he, he guides us. But this is all what? Before that. So these people don't have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit living inside them, helping them, teaching them, walking with them, guiding them. And so if I put myself into that crowd, listen to Jesus talk about good fruit, bad fruit, good people, evil people, outside of what Christ has done in my life, I'm not so sure how this would have gone for me. Right? Because Paul, he says in 1 Timothy, he talks about being the worst of sinners. But anybody else here feel like you could give Paul a run for his money? Right? Because again, outside of Christ, I am a dangerous person. A dangerous person. You've got to realize that. So are you. We are dangerous. Sometimes for the wrong team. And again, I, I think that's why we praise the Lord with such passion and zeal. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to dance. If you feel like dancing because of what Jesus did for you, dance in the name of Jesus. Dance. And why are we dancing? Why are we singing? Why are we shouting? Why are we getting, you know, just having our voices lost and, and just sweating for Jesus? Why, why are we doing that? Step aerobics for the Lord. Why are we doing that? Because we know that the decisions and the actions this week 
the ones that brought glory to God, the, the ones that advanced His kingdom. It wasn't because, you know, we were just born that way or, you know, I'm just a nice person. No, it's because our decisions, our actions have been radically influenced and transformed by who? By Christ in us, the hope of glory. Anybody else know what I'm talking about this morning? Like this week, think about it. If you're a Christian here this morning, think about it. This week you heard the voice of God. He was stirring within you. Remember what that was like? And do you remember like you, you had like that temptation, but then he spoke a better word over your life. Do you remember the better word spoken over your life? And even in really awful situations where you, you wanted to respond in the flesh in an evil way, he spoke a better word over your life. But then do you remember after he spoke that word over your life? Do you remember what you did? You obeyed it. You obeyed that word. You listened and you obeyed his voice. And because of Christ in you, the hope of glory, you are now living a life by the grace of God, a life that is bearing good fruit. But again, not because you were born that way, but because of the good, the good work that Jesus is doing in me and you. He talks about good fruit. He talks about bad fruit, evil people, good people. Again, I know which category I would have fallen in without Jesus. But then keep on reading that passage and he goes deeper, doesn't he? He goes deeper. Don't you love this about Jesus, how he says something and you think he's done, but then he just goes, he goes a little deeper. He's talking about trees, right? And fruit and goodness and evil, but then he goes deeper and he explains that all of this, all of this comes where it comes from a deeper place, from the depths of where? The depths of our hearts. He says, for the mouth speaks, What? What the heart is full of. Would you say that with me? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Oh, snap. (laughs) Jesus just went there. I was hoping he wouldn't go there, but he just went there. He went where? He went to our hearts. Deeper issues of the heart. You know, even as Christians... Some of you are like, man, why did I come to church today? But even as Christians with, with hearts that, you know, we celebrate hearts, no longer hearts of stone, that there are hearts that are alive and awake in Christ. But if we're honest, there are still times when we allow our hearts to wander from the truth of who we are in Christ. And so we let sin in. We let darkness in. And what begins to overflow out of our mouths, it's not the goodness of Christ, but instead it's pride, it's arrogance it's it's our flesh and it's so dangerous like have you ever had that where your heart just begins to be hardened when when our hearts are hardened when our hearts are living from that place of hurt or living from that place of offense or bitterness what we speak the words we speak they begin to sound so far removed from anything you would ever find in the kingdom of god and what we speak what we what we say it's just so different and it doesn't even sound like anything you would hear from the goodness of god and when we speak things of unforgiveness when we speak things of annoyance and speak things of irritation the fragrance of his kingdom the fruit of his spirit it's just not there and when that's the case maybe you're you were even in that place this week there's grace for the mess praise the lord right grace for the mess but you also got to own up to your mess we got to own up to our mess we got to invite jesus get real with life you got one life to live can we get real with life enter jesus i need you in this equation i need you jesus Examine, as dangerous as this prayer is, but you say, Jesus, examine the depths of my heart. Pastor Stephen Cole, he writes this. He, he says, you've got to examine the fruit that comes from our lives. 
Such fruit reveals our hearts because we produce according to what we are. He says our words reveal what fills our hearts. If you are often spewing out angry, bitter words that tear down others, that blame them for all of your problems, then your heart is not right before God. And praise the Lord for the supernatural miracle He's done in my heart, or that He's done in your heart. I don't know about you, I've been changed, radically changed. I've been born again by the power of His Spirit. But just because I've been born again doesn't mean that this is all automatic, right? That it's automatic that I live by the new man or automatic that I live by the new heart. I, I mean, you guys know what it's like to be alive. There's a struggle, isn't there? There's a struggle between the old and the new. But as my brother used to tell me, if you're struggling, keep struggling. What is he saying? Don't give up, right? Keep struggling in the struggle because it's only in the struggle that I have tasted the grace and the mercy of God. And as I consider his grace and his mercy in my life, church, I am committed more than ever to putting off the old self and putting on the new. How about you? How about you? Can that be said of you? Right? Not not that any of us are perfect in this. But is your goal in life, is your aim in life, the desire of your heart to please God? To live in in such a way where His goodness flows from the depths of who you are. His goodness flows from a deeper place, from a transformed and changed heart, where you have been so radically gripped by His grace, His love, His mercy, that what comes out of your mouth are His words by His Spirit that build up and do not tear down, actions that encourage but do not destroy. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? By the way, I can be a very grumpy boss at times. And I appreciate that Jesse didn't say amen at that point. I was, I was watching him. I was watching. You can ask them, right? You can ask anyone that was up on stage. It happens. But you know what I love about Jesus? that even when that happens, I never stay in that place. God is so good because He's alive in me. He, he lives in me. His Spirit sits well in me. And, and so He convicts me and He pulls me out of whatever funk I'm in and He gets me back into that place where I'm operating, what? By His power and not my flesh. Church, can you just allow the Lord in this moment to do that for you? To examine your heart. As I'm talking, just take time. Consider where you're maybe operating in the flesh instead of the Spirit. Just think about maybe it's reactions to people, whether it's your words or your deeds, where your reactions to people are not bearing good fruit. Again, even as I'm talking, just consider. Think about this between you and the Lord. I don't need to know, but just think about your interactions with others. Do, do people leave those interactions encouraged and build up in the faith? Or do they leave wounded? Do they leave feeling like they've been beat up? And I think this, this moment isn't just an opportunity for us to like grit our teeth and try harder. It's not an opportunity just to commit to being a nicer person. Trying to be nice is not the answer. It's not the solution. Trying harder to be a good person is not the answer. Actually, you weren't the answer at all. <laughs> no, instead, I mean, even right now, just ask the Lord Jesus... The answer. Give Him permission in His presence 
to be all that you need. Give him permission right now to go deeper. Just in your heart, just ask him, do a transformational work in me, Jesus, that goes deeper to the depths of who I am. Because come on, the negative things that you've been saying, doing, they are just outward expressions of a deeper issue. Come on, let's let the Lord go deeper. Let's get radical with this church, right? Come on, aren't you tired of playing the game? Don't you want it to where he comes in and he does a good work? Not that anyone, but Jesus and only Jesus, the good work that he could do where he brings the good out of the good stored up in your heart. If something's stirring within you, write it down. Again, this is between you and the Lord. Write it down. See what the Lord is talking to you. Write it down. You don't want to forget this, right? This is something the Lord's doing right now in this moment. And, and just to get practical on this, don't leave here without asking for prayer. Let someone around you pray for you. I think God's always going to honor. He's always going to respond to a humble prayer that just says, Jesus, I need you. I remember my parents, often they said, Dan, just ask Jesus for help. He wants to help you. Jesus, help. I need a change of attitude. I need a change of heart. He already knows the condition of your heart. It's not like you're pulling a fast one on God. Right? He knows. So we might as well just allow Him, like humble, yield, surrender, whatever word works for you, but just where we get into a posture that says, God, I I want to allow you in this moment to do heart surgery in me. I also want to say this out loud. Many of you need to hear this. Do not be afraid of counseling. Don't be afraid of counseling, especially, I'd say, biblical counseling. At LifeSpring, as you guys know, we support a counselor. His name is Keith Timmer. He offers his services for free because of monthly support from churches like ours. Uh, please, uh, if you need his number, we can get it for you and we can get you in contact with him. Also at LifeSpring, we've been doing this for seven years. Uh, we will pay for your first two sessions. So if he doesn't work out and you need to go somewhere else, uh, we will pay uh, for those first two counseling sessions. of A counselor of your choice. If you need that assistance, send me the bill. We'll figure it out. You know, I've talked about marriage counseling uh, that Mary and I have taken. Uh, it's ten years now of uh, seeing Keith. And, and church... I've just heard this. It, it kind of bothers me. And, and if you said it, there's grace for that. But I just heard this a lot from, um, from people regarding counseling. It, it's something like, it goes something like this. I, I don't want to go to counseling because when I go to the counselor, he or she makes it all about me. But what about the other person? <laughs> and I just want you to know every time you say that to me, you reinforce why you need to go to counseling. <laughs> Don't worry. I mean, we've all done that, right? We've all been there before. But uh, come on. I mean, there's parts of your heart that are still rebelling against the Lord and His kingdom. And I'm not saying the other person doesn't have issues. I'm sure they do. But for me, you know, when I came in and I started meeting with Keith, I had to make the decision. And it was a decision that only I could make to humble myself. And so I remember what I told him. I said, Keith, I want the best marriage ever. I still feel that way, church. I want the world's best marriage ever. I'm willing to put in the work to get there. But it has required a tremendous heart transformation where I've changed in the way I speak to Mary, the way I treat Mary. But way more important than that, church, is what I think about Mary. What my heart feels about Mary. Am I always thinking about her short 
shortcomings, her mistakes? Am I always thinking about, oh, I wish she did this or I wish she did that? Or is my heart for my wife? Do I have good things stored up within me regarding my wife? One of the first things I had to do in counseling was to ask Jesus to give me his heart for my wife. The counselor would do it this way. He would say, do you think Jesus loves Mary? I said, yeah. Do you think that he loves Mary so much that he will complete the good work that he started in her? Yeah. Well, then start having Jesus' heart for your wife. Thinking about her like Christ thinks about her. Trusting that he is doing a good work in her and he will see it to completion. You know, Mary will testify to this. When, when I started having Jesus' heart for her, everything changed. My attitude changed. My words changed. My actions changed. Our, our marriage began to change. Our marriage began to produce good fruit. Really good fruit like never before. Again, because I began to act like a person who was actually born again, made new in Christ, living and loving by the power of His Spirit, living deep within me. Again, not that I'm perfect in this, but church, do what it takes to let the Lord work on your heart so that what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your mouth into the atmosphere comes from a heart that has been radically changed by Jesus. Amen? All right, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Again, who's talking right now? Jesus. Yeah, why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'm going to show you what they're like. Verse 48. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house that could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground but without a foundation. The, the moment the torrent struck the house, man, that house, it collapsed. Its destruction was complete. You know, I think... What I want to say about this actually has the potential to greatly affect some of our lives today. Because Jesus mentions two houses. If you could just in your mind's eye, just picture this, right? Two houses. We got house number one. If I, if I was an artist, I'd try to draw on it. But I tried on my whiteboard. I'm like, yeah, I'm not drawing that. <laughs> but we got two houses. The first one, they laid the foundation on the rock. So the flood came. I mean, the waters rushed in, struck the house. But it couldn't shake the house. It was well built. Second house, though, no foundation. The torrent strikes and it collapsed. But what's the difference? He actually tells us what's the difference. One comes to Jesus, hears the words of Jesus, and the Bible says, Jesus says, and he puts them into practice. The other one comes to Jesus, hears the same words of Jesus, but what's the difference? That person does not put the words of Jesus into practice. Both come to Jesus, both hear His words, but the difference is one obeys His words, the other does not obey His words. If He is truly your Lord, church, if He is your Lord, you will do what He says. And, and right, not that any of us are perfect in this, but our hearts, our hearts, the greatest desire within our hearts should be what? To obey the commands of Jesus. When I was reading this Wednesday, a verse came to mind. Some of you might even be thinking about the same verse. Uh, it, it's where else do we read about Jesus and his words and obeying his words? There's a few places, but I, I think uh, what it thought to me was the most popular, maybe one of the most powerful verses in the Bible for Christians. It's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. What do we call that? Anyone know? 
The Great Commission. Remember that one? What does it say? This is Jesus speaking. He goes, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And what? Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Disciples, you and I, people who follow Jesus, who learn from Jesus, we obey Jesus. Disciples, they listen to his words, but they obey what he says. They obey what he has commanded us. And I, I think there's something powerful to this. Track with me if you can. Many people come to Jesus, right? Many people hear the words of Jesus. But a disciple, a follower of Jesus, obeys his commands. Well, what are his commands? Well, that takes me to another one of the most powerful and popular verses for us as believers. It is the great commandment. If you're in Matthew 28, go back six chapters to Matthew 22. This is the greatest commandment. We got an expert of the law. He's testing Jesus. He goes, I got one, Jesus. Teacher, which is the, you remember this, right? Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus says, verse 37. What does he say? Say it with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything else hangs on these two commandments. All that you learn, all that you studied, all that you've memorized, all that you've tried to do. All that you've tried to accomplish in your life, it hangs on these two commandments. To love God with everything you've got and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. A lot of churches have mission statements, which I think is great. But most of the mission statements that I hear are what? We exist to love God, to love others and to serve the world. Why? Because if you want to build your house on solid rock, if you want to make sure that when the flood comes, when the raging waters of life come to level you, if you do not want to be destroyed, then you follow hard after Jesus. And by the power of God's Spirit living within you, you follow His commands. Love God. Love others. Love God. Love others. Love God, love others, dot, 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 even when it's hard. (laughs) Even when it's difficult. I would say even more when it's hard and difficult. Loving is easy when everything's going right. Right? Loving is easy when people are being nice to you and being kind to you. Loving is easy on Pastor Appreciation Day. But you, man or woman of God, You follow hard after Christ and obey His commands when it feels like you don't even know if God is there. You follow hard after Christ and obey His commands even when it feels like everyone is against you. You love the Lord with your heart, your soul, and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Love is not an optional part of the equation There's no asterisk in the Bible that gives you an excuse not to love. It is fundamental, foundational to our faith. It's such a familiar teaching of Jesus. I'll just give you a couple. John, uh, in John 14, he says, If you love me, keep my commands. Just a little bit later, he says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. I will reveal myself to him. 
John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he, he takes this in the first John and second John. He says in first John, he goes, by this we can be sure that we have come to know Jesus. How? If we keep his commandments. He says later in second John, he goes, this is love that we walk according to Jesus' commandments. This is the very commandment that you have heard from the beginning. This is the commandment. And what is that, church? That you must walk in love. Love God. Love others. And if this Christian faith, and I, I want to close with this, if the Christian faith has ever gotten a little complicated or confusing to you, come back to the basics. Come back to this. You're never going to go wrong with following Jesus' commands. I've met with quite a few people toward the end of their life. Nobody ever told me that their big regret in life was that they loved God and loved others just a little bit too much. Right? Often, if there are regrets, they're on the other end of the spectrum. I've never heard someone, you know, I just followed the great commandment a little too much. Church, this is what God has called us to. For every one of us who professes our faith in Jesus, We are followers of Jesus. Listen to what I'm saying. We are followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus love Jesus. Those who love Jesus obey His commands. They do what He says. And He has commanded us today to love God, to love others. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and give us what we need to love God and to love others. Be encouraged, church, because here's the promise. If you walk, not according to your flesh, but by the Spirit of God, if you walk, not by your own goodness, but by the goodness of Christ that is stored up within you, here's the promise. Those who follow His commands have a house. And it's a good house. And it's built on a rock. And when that storm comes, when that water water rushing in comes, that torrent comes, that storm comes, that house shall not move. But how about you? How about me? Where, where are we at with this church? Some of you, you're just going through hard things, like really hard things. Tough situations, awkward situations. You got health issues, relationship issues, financial issues. You got scam artists. <laughs> These intense times, come on, you know what I'm talking about. Those intense times, they expose the foundation, don't they? Right? Times of crisis, they highlight, they expose how deep your house goes into the foundation. And I'm not going to pretend to know, again, where each one of you is at with all this. Honestly, that's between you and the Lord. But remember, this isn't to scare you, but it is to challenge you. Many people came to Jesus. Many people heard His words. But not everybody believed in His words or put them into practice. Can you just ponder that with me? Because many, even to this day, still come to Jesus, still hear His words and do not obey them. I mean, think about it. There's plenty of people in the world that probably know the Bible way more than you do. But yet they do not profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Right? Think how many professors in universities right now, they're teaching college-level classes about the Bible. They know the Scriptures. They know the Greek. They know the Hebrew. They know what Jesus says in the Bible, and yet they do not obey His words. Remember, the demons even know who Jesus is. The de- they might even know His Scriptures, but the demons do not accept Jesus' Lordship over them. Right? They do not follow the commands of King Jesus. But how about you? How about me? 
when we come to Jesus, when we hear His words, will we obey the King's commands? Will we accept His Lordship in our lives? I hope this is speaking just a little bit deeper today because, church, this matters. This is your life. You don't get another chance at this. But just in this walk with Jesus, this isn't to condemn you, but to challenge you, to encourage you, to wake up for all of us, to wake up in the Lord today is the aim of my life, is the goal of my life to allow the Holy Spirit to do such a good work in me that I would live by the power of the Spirit living in me. So what? So that the overflow of my life would not be the evil, but it would be the goodness of Christ. Oh, that the words that I would speak, the songs that I would sing, the interactions with the community around me would just be fragrant in the kingdom. It would be full of the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, Jesus! That I would be kind Not because I'm gritting my teeth to be kind, but because, Jesus, it's Your kindness that leads us to repentance. And as Your kindness flows through me, Your kindness would flow out of me. Oh, to be kind because of who You are in me. Oh, Jesus, that our heart's desire was to be gentle and kind and full of grace and mercy and love. That as we have been forgiven, we would forgive. As we have been shown mercy, that people around us would see God's mercy in and through us. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Just praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus, Lord, that my house would be built on a good foundation. It would go deep into the rock, which is you. Oh, we praise you, Lord. I think of that song. It says, you are good. You are good when there's nothing good in me. Lord, even in my worst days, Lord, you are good. And Lord, even when I come to work grumpy, you are good. You, you work on my heart. You, you change my countenance and my attitude. You, you go deeper, Lord. You do that surgery. And I, I do not have to have a day that's just lost for, for the kingdom of evil. But no, it can be redeemed and restored and reconciled. And I can have a good day because you are good. All the time you are good. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, as we're praying and just... Keep on praying and allow the Lord to minister to your heart. But some of you, maybe you've never, you've never asked Jesus to be the king of your life. Maybe you, you've come to Jesus before. You've even heard the words of Jesus before. But you've never submitted your life to His Lordship. You've never bended your knee. And as humans in our flesh, one of the hardest things to do is to bend our knees. Because in our pride and our arrogance, we want to lord it over others. And yet, you've never bended your knee to another one's authority, saying, God, would you be the king in my life? Jesus, would you be the ruler in my life? And if you're ready for that, if you're ready for heart change, if you're ready for transformation, if you're ready to, to, to experience a new way to be human, to where you can live for something bigger and better than just walking in our excuses, walking in our pain, walking... In, 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 in that just place of uh, just self-sympathy and pity, but instead in a place where we are a part of a greater mission on earth. If you're ready to be a part of a greater kingdom on earth, if you're ready to be a part of uh, purposes and plans and destinies that are greater, 
I would just say that Jesus is calling you today. He's calling you to that. He's calling you today. I, I just, as we're praying, I just want you to hear this. If you've never said yes to Jesus before, it doesn't matter what you've done up to this moment. It doesn't matter how you've lived. He's not going to interview you and make you say all the terrible things that you've done. All he asks for is a heart of repentance, which just means simply that you would lay yourself low before him and say, I'm ready to turn. I'm ready to turn. I'm done living the way I've lived. I'm ready to turn and walk for something bigger and better than myself. I'm ready to actually follow Jesus. It's a heart of repentance that just stops and says, I'm waving the white flag. I surrender. I give up. Jesus, take my life. Take control of my life. I need you. I need your help. I need you to change my mind, to change my heart. I'm tired of being bitter. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of lashing out at people. I'm ready to live for something bigger and better than just all my hurts and my offenses. I'm ready, Lord, to live a new life, fully awake, fully alive in you, Jesus. If that's you, if the Lord is speaking to you, one, just be encouraged. He loves you very, very much. But I'd love to pray with you. If, if that's you, as everyone else's heads are bowed low, if you just raise your hand high, I, I want to know who I'm praying with today. Amen. Absolutely. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we pray with you today. Lord Jesus, I, I just come before you with my brother and with my sister admitting that we really need you, Jesus. We all need you. We need you today. We need you today. Church, would you pray this? with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Fill me with your spirit, with your goodness, with your life. Lord, I turn from living by myself for myself. Today I choose to live for you. I believe that you are Savior and I accept you as Lord. Fill me today. Give me a new heart. Change my heart to live for you and for your glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Church, can we just celebrate those who are saying yes to the Lord? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah.